Hey everyone, welcome back to uh, this week's, not episode, but preview episode as we are wrapping up the month of uh, April Earth Day themed eco art and looking ahead to authorship and ownership. I'm here joined by Andrew and Vanessa. How are you guys doing? Good, man. Yeah, having a, having a fun night at Ethan's apartment. It's getting you know, a little silly. It's it's gotten really silly. In fact, it's taken us 21 <laughs> minutes to get here, um, and we've had a lot of laughs. It's actually one of my favorite times of the month. We all get together, put these episodes, and we're finally capturing it on on video and pictures. So we'll have some behind the scenes look at this recording, which has been been an eventful night and a trying time to get to where we are now. But it's. It's, it's all uphill, right, guys? <laughs> all uphill from here? All downhill? All uphill. All good. All good. <laughs> Speaking of all good and all good things, how do, uh, so last month, I, I actually just re listened to all of the episodes. Um, but would love your guys' thoughts on, on, on the eco theme, like how it went. I mean, Andrew, last time we talked about some of the key questions that you had. You know, one of them is sort of like when, when does, where does the art begin in the whole process? And, you know, how much of it is like activism and all of these different sort of key themes that you had, you know, how, what did you walk away with um, after the four episodes? I think, uh, I mean, it was awesome. It was a lot of fun. I think, um, I mean, what I'm probably most proud of from last month was kind of the cross section that we were able to get for really, really different guests. <clears throat> and I think that, like, I mean, that's my takeaway that, you know, it's, it's just a huge umbrella of creative people. And uh, there's a really big spectrum from people who feel really strongly as activists to people who, um, you know, on the other side, like are really just using sort of natural elements for their, their aesthetic. Um, and that was really interesting just to kind of get people's viewpoints everywhere in between because everybody we talked to is really passionate about their relationship with uh environmental art or eco art uh but all four of them were very very different i'm gonna chime in here this is vanessa (laughs) our lovely Um, producer yes so my i was actually well from the beginning, I was excited about Frankie's interview the most mm-hmm. yeah. because I thought his art was so unique and so unlike anything I had ever encountered personally. And for those of you who have listened or who haven't listened, Frankie Cruz, he's a Miami-based artist. He works with caterpillars to butterflies. Um, just the whole pro- the metamorphosis process is fully incorporated into his work, and he creates paintings alongside this like kind of facilitation of taking a caterpillar successfully through this whole metamorphosis into a butterfly and in between that he also does like performance art where he fixes or reconstructs broken butterfly wings he it's just really cool it's the first episode of our last month's or this month's um theme environmental art so frankie cruz but Outside of that, and adding to what Andrew said about the spectrum of artists, I thought that Auntie's um, interview was really refreshing just because he was almost this outlier without, like, he just kind of had, like, his toe into this theme of environmental art, Yeah. where, I mean, the reason we ran, he even came up 
in the conversation was because he was included in this, I want to say it was an artsy article of like artists who work with environment, like environmental artists, right? That are changing the (laughs) environment as we know it. Exactly. So, and then when we talked to him, he was like, I, I don't know if I would call myself an environmental artist. Like I, like to him, it was the whole idea of being an environmental artist or like committing to that label almost seemed foreign to him. And I had all these other questions of like, how much of that is a cultural difference? Mm -hmm. Because here in the US, um, you know, the, the whole issue with global warming, obviously that's international, but I feel like we feel it so much in the US because we're such a like metropolis everywhere, just like across the country where, so there's this active thought of like, we need to save the environment. Like we, you know, how do we go green? Like, how do we use less plastic? How do we move away from straws? Like it's always, we're always bombarded with these ideas, which is a really good thing, but I can also see how people would be overwhelmed by it. Whereas like auntie, he's from Finland and he even talked about it in his interview about how, you know, the reason he uses or he might be labeled as an environmental artist is because he uses the things that are around him, Mm -hmm. which just so happened to be the environment. Like he's like, I'm in a rural area. Like I grew up here. Like there is forest everywhere in Finland. Like we have cities, but they're small. Yeah. Like it's not like when you go, like even at, I think one of your rapid fire questions was like, what city would you visit? And he's like, oh, do I have to? Right. (laughs) So it's like, so I would almost, should we have the opportunity? I would want to, explore the idea of like how much of this environmental art like the whole impetus for becoming an environmental artist or the catalyst for pursuing that is rooted it culturally mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because him anti being from outside of western culture like just had this whole other approach and these whole other ideas that he was exploring were environmental activism came secondary but it wasn't for lack of appreciation for the environment like it never felt like he was like oh like i don't give a shit about the environment it was more like he loves the environment and it was like i am using that because it's just it's adding this element of beauty but also i'm using those the earth and these natural components around me to call to like look at it a different way and call attention to these mundane things that we might not notice otherwise which is to me activism in a different realm. Yeah. But yeah. it's not something he's doing consciously as with the other artists where it's like very much pointed like Super we need to get community like involved and interested in this and we need people to care. Whereas for Anti it felt like my country already cares, my people already yeah. care. And he I think he even mentioned when he went and showed in like western culture like mm-hmm. sometimes it was ill received yeah yeah yeah. that he got like back so i thought forth. that was really interesting I, I, I like how like whimsically it wasn't how he does the armor on trees mm-hmm. and like for all you game of thrones fans out there it really made me think of like the other <laughs> side of the wall finland snow yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. going you have all these trees that have armor and well and he even said that was to. more of a like humorous thing yeah. rather than it was it yeah. was interpreted very much of like 
I have, yeah, the protecting trees. the trees, protecting the environment. And he was like, I just thought it was funny. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah, like these I mean. like gangly trees with yeah. armor on them. Yeah. 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 That's also interesting. Like he said, how he creates art for himself, but he captures it for others. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, he was like, when I do it, I, I think in yeah. my own head. And then like when I photograph it or whatever, it's to give it to others. And I do it at an angle or in a way that like. Yeah, and, and that was kind of a repeated theme with like all the guests is like how do you, you know when you're when you're talking about something on the scale of environmental art which can be like really really big and like not entirely clear where the art is for some people um like this idea of how do you consider the audience and for him I think it was really interesting that he did make that distinction between like the process was for him he would document it for the audience yeah you know? Yeah, and with I mean the other thing, just building off Vanessa, what you're saying with Frankie is like you know where he came from. I mean, he went to school for art. He was like a graffiti artist, and then he started using you know butterflies, and it was just mm-hmm. like kind of his path to going from like a more traditional to fun to yeah, or to street to like you know very different media, if you mm-hmm. will. I thought it was kind of cool to hear. Yeah, and then uh, you know like uh, Aviva is just so clearly that. Uh, like so deeply thoughtful that's what i yeah what really stood out i mean the, you know she talked about like you know how our mindset's still from the industrial revolution and like how that's affecting like how we treat the earth today and then she's just like very like much more activist about it and like mm-hmm. bringing in lawyers and other things to like put together a mock case like it was just yeah i mean it's really cool to think of like i mean first of all the art itself right like this idea of composing a symphony and documenting it like in with natural elements was really interesting. The interdisciplinary part of it, like the fact that there's like music, there's painting, um, all sort of mixed in with the ecology. And then that like, she's clever enough to be using this as like actual copyright law. Mm -hmm. And like, how can we actually, how can art be influencing or be activist at a very real, like legal level? Um, It was just like, you know, from an artistic perspective, the number of levels that that cut through was really, really, really fascinating. She was, yeah, she was really interesting to talk to. Yeah. And then the last one you did was, was Mary and Daniel. I'm curious. Yeah. What was it like for you interviewing two people? (laughs) Uh, I mean, that interview was so much fun. I love them. Like I felt like I was just like hanging out with a couple of old friends in their studio. Yeah. Um, and if anybody like knows the area that the, uh, the headlands is just beautiful. Like the whole scenery felt very artistic. And uh, so, so it made for a pretty cool um, event. And like, I actually had my wife came with me and she was just like hanging out in the room with me. So it was cool. Like it, it, uh, it was a very interesting experience. I don't know that it was any like easier or more difficult yeah. talking to two people. Um, it was easier in the sense that they like played off of each other and there was less work that I had to do. Uh but it's also like more difficult because part of the role of an interviewer is to try to guide conversation mm-hmm. and it's double the work if it's double the people. Yeah. But, um, but no, I love that interview. I think, I mean, one of the most interesting things that I took away from their interview was them talking about how their, you know, a lot of their influence was the early um, sort of earth art movement and how, you know, these people like their message was kind of breaking out of the gallery scene and earth art was kind of like, a revolt away from the gallery scene, which is something that like mm-hmm. I, I definitely am interested in. Um, but it was also interesting that they were like, Ugh, like ecologically, <laughs> you know, the things they did were like, eh, not great for the environment. So yeah. like, even though they took inspiration from these people, they respect these people, 
you know, they like, that's where they started their creative careers, um, for them to also be like, yeah, but like, we need to rethink about how we're actually influencing the environment while we're interacting with it. Yeah. That was a really cool little, little I liked bit. that they, well, I don't know if I liked it, but I thought it was interesting that they wanted to differentiate their art from eco art. Mm -hmm. They said very specifically that they didn't much care for that label, yeah. which I thought was fascinating because looking at their portfolio, I would be like, oh, ecological, eco art. Yeah, yeah. Like um, if anybody identified as an eco artist, you would think it would be Right, that. it would be them. And so, I mean, tune into that episode because obviously I can't speak for them. Right. But last episode of this month, <laughs> Watershed Sculpture. <laughs> One of the things, Andrew, you talk about that, the saying that I really like is, is you know, what is it like meet people where they are, you know, right. like kind of bring the art to them like i mean you talk about that just generally speaking i mean how specifically do you think that kind of like phrase or idea applies to like this past theme you know because like in some ways literally they're making art yeah in untraditional spaces and untraditional ways do you feel that's, like that's a good question i mean i think with a lot of them so like aviva comes to mind and um and Mary and Daniel come to mind where a huge part of what they're trying to do through their activism is involve community in the artwork. And so I think there's a huge element of that, like trying to actually make art that can be consumed in a way that um, changes people's minds a little bit, gets them more involved, educates them so that they can like kind of influence their own environment and their own ecology around them. Um, yeah. So I think that would kind of be how I would look at that with respect to this theme. Okay. Yeah. Vanessa, what's something that you, uh, looking back, you know, were in, like, wish we had explored more or dove into or pushed back on? I feel like I kind of answered that with Auntie's thing. Yeah. This whole idea, I would have, looking, reflecting on the interviews we got, I think we did a great job getting across the spectrum, different perspectives and we're different pretty much mediums. The best at everything. <laughs> yeah. But. If I were to revisit this theme, I would want to do fully international, like no Western artists oh, yeah. and see what land, earth, eco art, what, you know, whatever the fuck you call it outside of Western culture looks like oh, yeah. and what that means to them. Because I'm curious now, having had the opportunity to speak with and learn more about Auntie's work, like how much of that is a Western concept or like how much of by, by that, I mean like the message or the goal, the whole, like the activism behind mm -hmm. it drives the creation part. And how much of that is a Western thing versus like maybe in other cultures where you don't see as much of a need for environmental activism yeah what does land art look like over there is there land art is there earth art what does that look like and how does it manifest itself in these other cultures that's yeah. what i would want to do that's cool. what um i like that thinking kind of going off that a little bit if there were two guests that you think it'd be cool to you know either do a collaboration or interview each other or meet which two would you pick two get like two, two, guests no, no, two of the guests from this past month sorry that the, I would want to collaborate with? No, that you think would be interesting if they collaborated oh. or if you put them in the same room and had a conversation. Interesting. Um, I would say... Um, 
if you put like auntie with mary and daniel because mary and daniel like work really hard to almost like try to distance themselves from the aesthetic of their artwork to mm-hmm. some extent right like they're they're very much um like they want people paying attention to them because they want to bring attention to their ecological issues, right? Like they're activists. Mm-hmm. Um, for Auntie, he's like he's very much an aesthetic artist. Like there's there's a look and a feel to all of his work. So I think it'd be really interesting to see like what creative ideas because there would be a creative tension there. I think, uh, and I think that could yield some really interesting results. Nice, great. Well, um. Let's look ahead to the next month. Let's do it. What do we have coming up? Authorship and ownership. Authorship and ownership. All right. Well, tell us like how you define that. What does that mean? So like, it's um, it's an interesting idea. So authorship is like kind of straight ahead, right? Um, authorship is the notion of like who who created the art and what is their sort of relationship with it, um, both from like a creative perspective. Um, but also like from a legal perspective, uh, you know, who, who owns it? Um, what influence does the artist have over the artwork once it's out of their hands? And then the ownership piece is, um, you know, what, what does it mean to own a piece of art? Um, visual art is really interesting in that like, you know, if you think about like take music, for example, right? When you spend money on music, you're either at a live show um and you're paying for the experience or you're you buy recording right but the thing about recordings is like they're you can reproduce them so you know if you break one in half it doesn't really matter because you can go back to the cd store if they still exist fye the wall and get another cd right like so so the idea that you could like um damage the artwork itself doesn't really exist whereas with within the visual art world, it's a much bigger deal because, um, because these things are scarce. Like there's only one copy of a painting or a limited number of copies of a print. Mm. Um, and so like you as an owner, if you buy a piece of artwork, you can actually alter that artwork, right? Like you can, you can change it, you can paint on it, you can cut it in half, you can burn it if you want. But what does that mean for the relationship that you have with the artwork? What does that mean for the relationship that the artist has with that artwork? And so this has always been a really, really interesting idea in the history of art. Um, And then, you know, so, so part of this is like sort of examining the history of that and why that's important in the art world. Um, But also like looking forward, there's a whole lot of interesting stuff happening right now with technology that is kind of trying to change that game and trying to kind of change the status quo around how we think about ownership of artwork. Uh, and so, you know, hopefully as, as the month progresses, we'll be able to kind of work from the historical context into what are some of the interesting technologies that are happening? How is this changing? And what does that kind of mean looking forward? That's great. Can you give us some examples? Like get us excited, you know, what are palettes about what, like, what, yeah, what type of technologies like how are or changing? like, like, you know, who are the types of guests that we should expect? to kind of yeah hear from or so um so one of the things that is interesting is um in in the crypto world oh um so what's that blockchain blockchain technology (laughs) man you know this is kind of like a big buzzword in big silicon valley big 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 
but it has pretty like it has some pretty interesting implications for how we can look at um, owning artwork and specifically uh, digital artwork, like things that were actually created electronically. You know, one of the big problems with digital visual artwork is that um, like it's really, really easy to just like upload and download of an image file on the Internet. And so like how do you actually prove chain of ownership? Like how did someone rightfully get those images? Um, but with blockchain technology, like we're actually changing that a little bit. Like there are actually ways to be able to track who's owned things and, um, you know, the, the chain, the provenance. Um, and so that's a really interesting thing. Um, there's this idea of like buying shares of an artwork and like, what does artwork mean sort of as an investment, uh, uh, vehicle. Um, and so that's something really interesting that's happening. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to give too terribly much away, but, um, but yeah, it should be interesting. I mean, there's definitely some very big debates to be had in the art world about like whether this idea of scarcity is a good thing what technology can do to change that you know we're just like in the middle of possibly flipping this thing on its head yeah bring it back to art and tech there we go man back to our roots i like it vanessa what about you anything that you're excited about or questions that you want to dig into or ask this month i think it would be interesting to look at this again internationally mm-hmm. although i guess arguably the fine art world like if we're just focusing on like the fine art world that's like a global marketplace but this idea like how you were kind of giving us a taste about it of like communal ownership mm-hmm. or i feel like art here it's a it's a commodity because right. we're a consumerist culture right um how does that look in other cultures what is the value of art in other cultures what does ownership mean Hmm. how do we define that yeah um so i would be interested in that and also with you know on instagram like all these artists having issues of like when they post something on instagram and somebody's sharing it or taking that and modifying it very slightly and sharing that like where is the ownership and the authorship in those gray areas of now everything's one click away, everything's so shareable, everything is like in this nebulous of how can I prove that that was my original concept? Yeah. So we had, I think, Ethan, we we briefly spoke of this. Was it one by run or one by one? One X run. One, one X run. Yeah. That there was this um, article that they were tied to where there was a graffiti artist where Basically, I forget which BMW, kind of company. I BMW? Was, yeah. I don't want to like yeah, maybe not. misrepresent. <laughs> there was a One of those car company. German car companies. <laughs> Listeners will hear this. It's yeah. one of those beep companies. <laughs> so a car company <laughs> used like graffiti as the backdop to their ads for. commercials and ads. And right. For whatever c- vehicle they were marketing. And then the artist slash artists who authored those pieces sued them because they got no, you know, they got no compensation for the use of their art appearing in those advertisements. Yeah, yeah. And then this kind of snowballed into this thing where now it's this battle between, you know, the whatever car company it is. It was it was <laughs> Audi. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. And like, let's also be be clear, it was not just like 
in like passing by like the cars zipping down like a, a street like right. city street and it was there it was like the kind of center focal point of it's like a picture of a mural with a car it was, yeah, with like a little car yeah, right, exactly. right. <laughs> right so whatever oh, car company or brand it was then like sued the artist saying that it was because it's graffiti art or street art it's public art therefore it can mm. be consumed freely therefore there is no ownership so you know they didn't do anything wrong which i thought was really interesting because i guess this might stray away from where we want to put i don't know confines on our theme so that you know it's easier for us to control that conversation but it's this idea of like where do we draw the line of ownership like who owns an art piece and there's so many ways that that can go which is why we like to make these themes these broad titles of authorship (laughs) and ownership or whatever we throw at you it's it can go anyway so we'll see we'll see what guests you bring on (laughs) yeah 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 it's uh yeah that is an interesting idea that's happening a lot and like you know just the idea that the proliferation of artwork is so easy now like it does just spread like wildfire the second you make an interesting image very very difficult to control what happens to that image um here's a question i want you to ask i mean i think it's interesting because you know they say it's like blockchain is right now a niche technology and art is a niche category and market and two niches don't make a right and so I'm curious, like, you should dig in when you talk to those people thinking about, like, how they feel about the adoption of blockchain to the art space, mm-hmm. given that both are pretty niche. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I will, man. And who's <laughs> using blockchain, like, in the fine art world? Like, are all the big players using blockchain? Or is that, like, on, a generational thing? Tune in. Thing? <laughs> tune no, in. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. It's like, who are those people who are using it? Yeah. Like, are these... Like, seriously, break that down. Are they millennials? Are they older collect? You know, you yeah, know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. yeah, like, how does, yeah, I mean, like, in the collection. <laughs> what is the demographic? For What's blockchain? the deal with blockchain? Exactly, because I'm a Luddite <laughs> and I don't understand blockchain. <laughs> well, that will definitely be like if, you know, when we go in the direction of blockchain, I mean, a, a huge component of that is just education. Yeah. Nobody, I mean, I work for a blockchain company and I don't know most of what it does. Are they so like teaching that, that shit in like school now? In school? No. Like, this is blockchain. Oh, you mean like in like like I don't know. You know what? They never teach anything useful. No, like they don't teach you how to do your taxes or anything. (laughs) I I I doubt they teach you about fucking. Don't go to college. Okay, we're gonna have to beep out a bunch of F words from (laughs) Vanessa. Um, Before we go to our favorite topic, uh, there is an exciting announcement. I'd like to say that um, we are launching a new podcast called Driven, which is sponsored by. BMW and they're going to I'm kidding. <laughs> I was like we so just we I was watch? like we just dragged BMW maybe. Yeah. <laughs> BMW maybe. Yeah. <laughs> we're also we're also great. if you guys are wondering about our um you know our how we how we have such strong rapport, great conversations, silky smooth, uh golden pipes, it's because <laughs> <laughs> we drink Aberlour scotch, <laughs> which is one of the best scotches out there. So smooth, so delicious, and just really brings He's out the best in people. Um, all right, now that we got those two commercials out of the way. I love it. You didn't even name Liz- the scotch. Yeah. No, I did. Aberlour. Oh. Yeah. Say it again. 
Oh, that was oh, good. Were you like trying to get me to say it again for the sponsor? <laughs> wow. See, that's why she's our producer. All right, like, let's she's bring so it over. good. All right. <laughs> Anyways. No, BMW is doing a lot for the art and culture space. Aberlour, amazing. Um, let's now jump into our ESPN sponsored rapid fire session. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Who's doing this? Are you both doing this? All right, you guys are. Ready? Um, number one. Where does Finland now fall on your bucket list to visit? Oh, I thought you were going to ask me where it is. Like, <laughs> where is it on the map? And I was yeah. like, Oh, I am. Fucked I right thought he was going to ask about basketball. After, after <laughs> talking, after talking to Anthony, how bad where, do you want to go to Finland? I want to go to Finland, man. It seems awesome that, like, I mean, I'm an outdoorsy person. I grew up in the outdoors, which is part of why I clicked with Auntie. Uh, it seems awesome. It's beautiful. All right. I would say number five. Five. Okay. That's not bad. Um, by the way, nice job actually answering it quickly, Vanessa. Um, number two, how excited are you about All the right. Avengers Endgame movie? Super excited. Next question. Nice. <laughs> I am so excited. It comes out tonight at midnight. Are we yeah, all going? We should actually just yeah, go. let's go. All right. Let's go. Okay. All right. <laughs> It pre-sold 120 million dollars by like pre-sold before it even like. I came. It said a is, is this another yeah. ad? <laughs> Are you plugging Avengers yeah. Endgame? Wait, wait, wait! <laughs> Can I ask you, Rapid Fire? Who's your favorite? Who do you want to survive Endgame? Um, Captain America. Oh, he's gonna fucking die! Yeah, why do you keep <laughs> dropping the F bomb? All right, last and final one. A- Andrew, you go first, but then Vanessa can go. Is okay. What are you going to name your child who's going to be born in six weeks? What am I, I can't tell you. Kayla would kill me. This is no a secret. No one's fucking listening. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't listen to this podcast. Yeah. Thurman Herman. Thurman <laughs> Herman. All right. Vanessa, what, what will you name your first kid, boy or girl? I'm not having a kid. Oh, mm. snap. Political podcast. Let's go. All right. Hey, thank you everyone for tuning in. Stay tuned for this first episode coming up Thursday. And until then, enjoy Cheers. Your, drive your BMW, enjoy your Avalor, and go see Avengers. <laughs> As always, listeners, thank you for tuning in to this episode of State of the Art. And uh, if you like what we're doing here at State of the Art, or if you like this episode, please rate and review us wherever you listen to your podcasts. Five-star reviews are always great. That's the most helpful thing you can do to help us, to help us grow, and to find other awesome listeners that like the same things you do. So thank you so much again, and I hope you tune in next week for another episode of State of the Art.